Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Today we have a special episode which I hope many of you find valuable. Throughout our lives, we're all reminded that our health is fragile and we can get hurt. For some of us, we may become injured and that injury could seem insurmountable or hopeless. On a selfish note, I've been recovering from an old sports injury and that recovery has been much slower than expected with lots of ups and downs. But as I'm sure many of you can agree, these are a part of day-to-day life and there are many people who have had much greater fights on their hands. So today's show is dedicated for those that face injuries which pose an opportunity for recovery even if it's only a slim chance. Today we share three stories from three of my friends who have overcome traumatic injuries. Each story will highlight their attitude, their perseverance, and the amazing capabilities of our bodies to heal when we put our minds to it. First, we'll hear from Brandon Chase, who's a man who was never supposed to wake up from a traumatic car accident, let alone be able to join me on today's show. He may have had an injury that changes the way he speaks, but it's given him a voice and a message that he's passionate about sharing. The second story is my good friend Dave Whalen, who during his professional skiing endeavors had a terrible accident which left his legs shattered at the bottom of a cliff alone and not sure if anybody would find him. After two years of rehab, he now skis, bikes, paddles and moves like he could before. Lastly, we're joined by Candace Carnahan, who's a university friend of mine and has gone on to travel the world sharing her message and safety after a mill incident took her leg. So these stories aren't stories of injuries. These are stories of overcoming even the toughest challenges. Now, if you're one of those people who are facing a daunting rehab from an injury, then I hope that these stories inspire you like they have me. Let's start today's show off by hearing from my friend, Brandon Chase. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. We've been talking about this for a little while. I've been tracking your story, and you've got quite an amazing recovery story. So let's start off with a bit of background. You know, Tell me a bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? All that good stuff. For sure. We'll do. We'll do. My name is Brandon Chase. I'm a martial artist, and I train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was born in Calgary, Alberta. I lived in Alberta for the first nine years of my life. Most of the time we spent in a small town called Newsbury. When I was nine years old, we moved to Newfoundland because Ma's family is from here. I completed high school in Bay Roberts and graduated from Ascension Collegian in 2013. One year after graduating from, from high school, I decided to move back to Alberta. I worked in the, the labor industry in various different jobs up until the, the time of my car crash. Right. Well, you know what? That brings me to what we're here to talk about today. This car crash you had was a really traumatic accident. There was some really unfortunate circumstances around it. Can you tell me about the crash and, and why it happened and what, what occurred during it? Well, I, I'm telling you the truth, Mike, I don't remember the day of my car crash, but I was told that it was a warm summer day, June 27, 2015, and I was at a bachelor party for my stepmother. We were paintballing. We were finishing paintballing. I was offered a ride back with a guy I didn't know. I guess I said the, the ride with him. 
apparently, no one knew that this guy had been drinking. We're on the highway and traffic came to a standstill. My my uh, drunk driver pulled down, he let you turn into the road. And an upcoming SUV going 107 kilometers an hour hit me on my passenger side. I'm extremely lucky I, I even survived, let alone walking and talking again. Agreed. And when you woke up, what was your diagnosis? What happened? Do you, do you remember that? Like, what, what were they telling you at that time? Well, Mike, when I woke up, I was out of the hospital for three months until I actually kind of woke up, kind of then came to and came conscious and saw that. I was diagnosed with a very bad brain injury. It made everything, everything more challenging for me and difficult to do. I see you, doctors. Now give my family much hope for survival. They said if I survived, I would probably only function at a vegetative state. The brain injury has affected my cognitive functions, function as well as balance and coordination. This has made my rehab very, very challenging. And I have had to work very hard to overcome it. Mm-hmm. I also had dysarthria, but that means that my speech muscles are weak and makes it very hard for me to speak speak clearly. Mm-hmm. I have to really concentrate to form words that, that can be understood. Because of my speech and balance, people ought to think I'm drunk. Mm. And... Uh, my brain injury also makes me less inhibited so that I say things sometimes without even thinking. It used to be a lot worse in the early, in the early days. Well, I have a lot of, lot of coaching, Mom. <laughs> and it's still improving. Yeah, that's right. And, I, and, you know, and that is the amazing thing. You were in a coma. They had given you a pretty scary prognosis, but you are walking, you're moving, you're talking, you've improved so much. How did your rehab progress? What did it entail? Tell me all about that because it must have been a heck of a journey to get to where you are now. For sure. I started my rehab in acute care hospital, Foothills in Calgary. And initially, when I did not seem to be coming around, the doctors were preparing to send me to long-term care. And I suddenly started to show signs I stayed on that unit for almost five months. Now I started working on all the basics again. I had to learn how to do everything, everything all over again. Talking, walking, toiling myself, speaking, eating, and eventually feeding myself again. I made great progress and was then accepted into a very intense rehab program at the Howard Johnson Brand New Rehab Center in Pinocchio, Alberta. I stayed here for 14 months. 14 months, Mike. That's a year of your life. Five days a week, nine to five. It was was like my job. I worked hard and went from wheelchair Mm -hmm. to walker to eventually walking poles. Rehab will be ongoing for me the rest of my life. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it, it's amazing because I know you walk around very well now. We're, we're talking on Zoom. So no one can see that, but you know, you're know, you moving around. You're, you're, it's funny. You just did your one, two, three, four. You listed off off your hands, and I'm sure that would have been a challenge when you first began. 
But, you know, one of the things you've really adopted recently, and I follow you on Instagram and you're always in the gym. So now that you've been able to get mobile, you're hitting the gym pretty hard. How important has that exercise been for you to sort of get you to your next level? Exercise is an ongoing part of my everyday life now. Before the epidemic, I worked out with seeing a personal trainer in Calgary. Jessica has trained professional athletes after injury and helped them return to their sport. She was, she was awesome and I hope she returned to her once I could return to Calgary. I joined a gym here in St. John's and have been working at Rough Fitness. Good gym. Rough Fitness is a good gym. Yeah. I do leg press, dumbbells, and squats for fitness training. People there are very friendly and help me out sometimes. I also have been working out in my home gym. I have a spin cycle as well as a total gym and exercise band. I've done some work with a physiotherapist as well as a kinesiologist. I also go to martial arts when I can and have been welcome to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at a few different dojos. People have been very friendly and helpful. Yeah. Well, you know, I, that's because you're a friendly and helpful guy yourself. And I think that people like to be around that kind of energy, especially because you're doing so well right now. So what's your, you know, your real message for people? And in particular, when it comes to people that face a serious injury and they're, they're, they're trying to get better and they're frustrated because they're not rehabbing as quick as they thought, how, what's your advice for them? My message for people who have occurred a serious injury is to never give up and never, and never stop rehab. There's always room to improve. I still, go, I still go to the gym and work on my fitness. This is not just good for my body. It also helps my mind. Good. Yeah. And I, that's great advice. And I think that's a universal message for everybody. I, I'm glad you could be here, Brandon. It's uh, really brave of you to share your story. I'm glad you're doing so great. So uh, I'm sure we'll check back in someday and see how you're making out. But you keep on working hard in the meantime. And thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again, Mike. That was Brandon Chase sharing his amazing story of recovery from a car accident caused by a drunk driver. Keep moving forward, Brandon, because you're doing great. When we come back, we'll talk with pro skier Dave Whalen, who shares his story and some advice for those facing daunting rehabs. Welcome back. We're here with Dave Whalen, who's sharing his dramatic injury and rescue following a backcountry ski incident that left him in the ICU for over a month and took over two years to get him back to where he wanted to be. Dave talks about his attitude in facing a massive challenge and how he stayed positive during the roller coaster that is rehab. Positive mindset, small goals, and being a health advocate all resonate throughout his interview. But let's hear it from him. Hey, Dave, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an important topic, and you've got a really important story to share with people. You know, today we're talking about injuries and how people overcame them. You know, it's kind of like a celebration about something that feels like a massive tragedy when it occurs to folks. Uh, for those people that might not have caught our episode where you were on before, can you tell us about the accident that you had happened to you? Yeah, so basically I had a... Um... I had a backcountry skiing accident in Europe um, where I skied off a cliff that I didn't see coming. Um, so it was a fairly, fairly large impact that left me pretty beat up. I basically had a tibia plateau explosion 
um, had a concussion, had a collapse lung, had a number of other things going on. Um, I was by myself. So, um, luckily someone found me in that state at the bottom of the cliff and, you know, it was a whole process to get me out of there from the time I landed at the bottom of that cliff to the time I got to the hospital it was about five hours. I was in the ICU at a hospital in Austria for about a month and then, uh, met it back, back to Newfoundland, St. John's and the better part of, it was a better part of, I would, you know, two year recovery for the kind of bulk of it and continues to this day, really. Wow. Wow. I mean, and, and for somebody like you who is so athletic and, and is such a big part of your life, one of the things that I really want to help people understand is it's a long road. So when that first happened, what were your first thoughts and, you know, how did you sort of get the right frame of mind to start coming out of the recovery? It's funny, you know, because for me, it kind of started at basically as soon as I hit the ground. I realized pretty quick that it was serious. I was by myself and I realized there wasn't any immediate help around me. So kind of had to take hold of it myself then. And that involved some kind of manipulation of my body there, there in the snow and um, a lot of kind of breathing and just kind of conversations with myself to kind of get myself to a calm place so I could figure out and solve the situation that was in front of me. And that mentality kind of, you know, transferred to the hospital and to the hospital bed and then beyond that, once I got home. So it was, it was, it was a lot of a mental game. You know what I mean? Like it was very, very much um, recognizing what was going on in front of you, having that conversation with yourself, being comfortable with what had happened, what is happening, what's going to happen. And, you know, just, kind of having the mental fortitude to, to move through that. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, I mean, these days information is so readily available. So you can go and get stuck down a rabbit hole of what's going to happen. What's the worst case scenario, you know? And when you look at an injury like yours, for those people that don't know what your injury was, you base your leg basically exploded. And then as a result of that, the pressure inside the leg became so enormous they had to split it open to let it breathe and and drain so when you look at those types of things i'm sure that you could find lots of information that say you're never going to recover but what made you latch on to that piece of hope that says maybe i can get better and get back to normal you know it's a tough question um i I think uh you know for me coming from an athletic background someone who i think generally appreciates life when it happened, I saw the worst case scenario in front of me and I could, I could see that very clearly. I could see that path in front of me and it was literally just a choice. It was, it, my choice was to focus on that and go down that path or I can kind of turn my head the other way and look more at the hard road and what it would take to kind of get me back to where I needed to be and simply make that choice to kind of go down that road. It's, I know that sounds easy when I say it out loud, but it is just, you know, for me, it was having those real hard conversations with myself and, you know, making that deal with myself, that deal being that like, if I didn't put in all the effort that I possibly could to kind of get where I needed to be, then I knew that at the end of it, I wasn't going to be disappointed with the result because I knew that I put in that effort to kind of get where I had to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And along the way, did you use little milestones to help keep you motivated, say, okay, I'm, I'm on the right track. I just did something I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, big time, like, you know, 
this injury for me was devastating because I'm the, the sports I'm involved in skiing, mountain biking, surfing, all, all these things, they were very dependent on, on my injury kind of getting better. So, you know, I set like little milestones of skiing, for example, like literally just kind of walking in the snow up the hill, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I was able to do that for being in the water, simply just, you know, putting on my wetsuit and getting in the water and I'll just like, you know, those, those tiny, tiny, tiny little steps over time, just kind of add up and up and up and up. And then all of a sudden you're somewhere where you, you never thought you would be, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it was, for me, it was really just have your ultimate goal way down the road, but like, don't focus on that. Focus on the, the next little thing you got to get to take that accomplishments and celebrate it and then keep going, you know? That's right. That's right. Well, I, I was there for one of your milestones and it's, it's amazing when you can see that you can take the body, which is absolutely shattered and then be able to repair it. We had that with our previous guest, uh, Brandon Chase, who was in a traumatic accident, who wasn't supposed to walk again, but is now going to the gym and exercising. How did you choose what you should do? Did you seek out expert advice? Like, did you surround yourself with people that knew how to treat these conditions? Like, how'd you navigate that? Because that might not be everybody's skill set. It's a tough thing to do because, you know, really when you have a traumatic injury in, in the system that we exist in, you know, there's, there's a lot of amazing people around that want to help. But in general, person A isn't talking to person B isn't talking to C isn't talking to person D. So what that means is that you really have to be your own advocate in your injuries. So for me, I just kind of, I just went down the rabbit hole of, every aspect of it. And I educated myself as best I could on what the massage therapy was going to do, what the nerve therapy was going to do, what Cairo was going to do, what physio was going to do and try to connect all those dots and make some sense of it and communicate to each of those people, what I was feeling, what I felt needed to happen, what I educated myself on and what the other people who are helping me were saying, because no one's going to do that for you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You really, you really just have to be your own advocate. You have to educate yourself. That's right. That's a big aspect of health literacy. And that's one of the things we try and do in the show. And I guess that's a, that's a message that came out in our previous interview is that you do have to be proactive with your health and at each stage continue to progress it. So if somebody was listening right here and they've incurred a, a severe injury of some sort that could easily be deemed as being something that could disable them, but there is a chance they could recover. What would you tell them to do at this point? First of all, I would tell them to have the conversation with themselves that, you know, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be extremely difficult. It's going to be extremely uncomfortable and accept that, you know, don't, don't get caught up in, the difficulty of it. It's very, it's very easy to do. It's very different. very easy to get caught up in the difficulty, in the pain, in all that. So if you, as an individual who's experiencing an injury, if you just have that conversation with yourself early on and kind of make that contract with yourself that, yeah, this is going to be hard and this is going to be difficult. And you, you, you switch your brain to kind of get there. It, it, it'll be a lot easier moving forward. And once you do that, once you make that contract with yourself, then turn to the education side of things and educate yourself as much as you possibly can on what your issue is, what your injury is and how it affects the rest of your body, how it affects your mind, how it affects everything. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of information. It's lots to navigate, but the more you take in and the more you understand, 
the better the overall picture for you will be in the end and the more you will understand and the better you will be able to tackle your own injury with the help of others. That's right. I think that a lot of the time in a medical system, it's hurry up and wait. And that's only because it is so overburdened and tests can be so difficult to get and access to specialists can be so challenging. It's about doing what you can do while you can do it while you're waiting for the next thing to happen. And I think that's great advice for people. Dave, thanks for joining us today. And thanks for sharing your story again. For anybody who wants to check out our full episode, you can find that on VLCM.com and on Spotify. It's a great story. It's very inspiring. Great to see you, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That was Dave Whalen sharing some great advice on how to make sure you keep in the right frame of mind during a tough recovery. When we come back, we'll talk to internationally recognized motivational speaker, Candace Carnahan, whose message of safety will resonate with all of us. We'll be right back. We're talking with safety educator and motivational speaker, Candace Carnahan, who shares her message globally with organizations she works with. Now we've been friends for a long time, actually since university. So I've seen her trajectory as she has become one of the most influential safety motivational speakers in the world. We're really lucky to have her on the show today. So let's check out our conversation. Hey Candace, welcome to the show. Hello Mike, thanks for having me. I talk about a full circle moment. I mean, geez, we've known each other for a, most of our lives, really. And uh, it's such a great opportunity. It's so nice to chat with you today about what you do now and what you love. Tell everybody who doesn't know you a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's been over. It's been over 20 years for us. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, born in Miramichi. Um, I actually make my home in Halifax now, and I'm a motivational speaker. I've been sharing my story and the lessons that I learned from a day that really changed my life forever um, all over the world now for uh, the past two decades. Yeah. Uh, what else? I, I have two French bulldogs and I love traveling <laughs> in my camper van. That's when I'm right. not in the air. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, we follow each other's social media too. And a lot of people here in St. John's have probably heard you speak because you speak in a lot of industrial settings. And speaking of that day that changed your life, I remember that day. But tell me about the situation that kind of led you to the path you're on now. Well, I guess, I mean, you know, in a nutshell, the day that changed my life forever was uh, August 11th in 1999 when we were still in school, Mike. I was uh, finishing up. Um, my summer employment at the mill in Miramichi as a summer student. And I stepped over a conveyor belt system and it was a commonly used shortcut. Um, the machine, I didn't realize it at the time should have been guarded, but it was not. And um, that step really, I guess that day was, was ended up being the last step I ever took with my left foot. It was taken into the uh, crush point. I mean, sometimes people call it a nip point, but it doesn't nip you once it gets you. It's, it's far more severe than that. And so my foot was crushed between two of the rollers in the conveyor belt system. And I was uh, thankfully rescued from the, the belt after 30 minutes, a uh, very traumatic half hour of my life. And I lost uh, my leg below the knee as a result of that incident um, in August. So I had to, you know, take some time off school. I didn't go back that September. I went back in January um, to finish up my, my degree. So yeah, it happened just at the very end of the summer on the final season of me working at the paper mill as part of summer employment. 
That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, that accident made you very aware that there was kind of a gap when it came to educating people about safety. You now speak with companies all over the world. I mean, you've been as far away as Australia working with these companies. What do you share with people about that experience and, you know, how did it change you? Well, I mean, I guess, first of all, bridging the gap, you know, I, I, I never used the word accident. So that's no offense. A lot. It's, it's a word that's still commonly used. But for me, I always say incident because, you know, an accident, there's lots of different definitions. But the main I guess the main definition is that it's it's two unforeseeable events that come together, you know, that, that create a negative or unexpected outcome. And we were calling it that in the beginning, you know, what a terrible accident, what a freak accident, what were the chances of that one in a million? And so I would go, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. It's awful. This is what people would say to me. And then I started getting uncomfortable with the word accident because I thought, you know, we, the mill was found at fault for taking a guard off the machine. And on top of that, the emergency stop system was disabled and on and on and on we could go with contributing factors to the incident that caused me to lose my, my leg. But really when you think about it, none of those, it, 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 it wasn't unforeseeable. Right. And it really mm -hmm. isn't unexpected because right. when you take off safety guards or when you decide to pick up your phone and get behind the wheel or take a drink and get behind the wheel and something goes wrong, we we know the ramifications of those behaviors. So so I prefer to use the word incident because I find that an accident makes people feel like there was really nothing more we could have done to prevent it. And as you know, Mike, I mean, you and I, oddly enough, have ended up in the same, you know, on, on a bit of the same path, uh, got there different ways. But um, um, as you know, these injuries are preventable. So mm -hmm. I want yeah. people to be empowered um, in, in knowing that each and every day they have not only the the you know the oblig obligation, but also the opportunity and the ability to do things differently. And that these little things done differently each and every day really do amount to big things, making big changes. I always say, if you take care of the little things, the big things typically will take care of themselves. Well, that's right. The whole point of this show is to give people the tools so that they can avoid maybe health incidents in their future that could be preventable. But, you know, I think one of the things that's so powerful about what you do is you share your lived experience. You know, how did that event change you as a person? Oh, my goodness. It's so many. How long do we have? <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, first of all, when this happened to me, I was very of the mind, you know, the world was my oyster and, you know, everything was great. School was fun. My family was healthy. And I, I would definitely say, I mean, I lost my footing in more ways than one that day. Mm -hmm. I did realize that you can have your whole existence turned upside down in the blink of an eye. And I certainly you know, I, I got into sharing my story very quickly after I recovered, you know, I mean, not fully recovered, but I, I, I got to work at sharing my story within a year after my incident. And that's when I really started gaining some serious perspective and mm -hmm. understanding the more I was talking about what happened to me, you, you then have people coming and sharing their stories with you. So I always say sharing stories saves lives. 
because right. you never know what personal experience or sentiment that it is that you're going to share with somebody that causes them to have a flash, a light bulb moment on an aha moment, or to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change my ways or do this differently, or I'm going to have that conversation that I thought was too tough to have. Or, you know, one of my favorite slogans is if, if you see something, say something, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm going to have the courage to care enough to speak up and, and say something. So I think that, you know, I, I really started learning um, so much more from the people that I was speaking to about what kinds of things were happening across many different industries and within different companies and, and what were the contributing factors, right? right? People would say, oh my gosh, for you, it was the conveyor belt. You know, it was the guard off the conveyor belt. Well, no, it wasn't. It was long before that. You know, it's, it's the attitude we have towards health and safety. I walked over a conveyor belt system because I watched other people doing it. So I think I learned also on August 11th that I wasn't invincible. And, you know, I, I, I say the first step in not getting hurt is knowing that you can be, that's a great lesson to learn. It's an especially great lesson to learn and survive, you know? So I, 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 I think that the, the lessons, the list of lessons are certainly long, but what resounds the most with me is just what I've learned from other people from sharing my story. That's right. And I think that that whole point about, you know, health isn't valued until it's lost about feeling invincible is sort of a really common theme throughout this whole show today. Before we get into more of the message that you share with people and make such a profound impact in their lives, you know, one of the things we're also talking about is the experience for people that may be suffering right now and have to go through rehab. It could not have been easy for you to adjust to a new prosthesis when you got injured. Can you tell me a little bit about that process and and what struggles you faced? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, I remember, you know, just from the very beginning, even like being in the hospital bed and just being terrified of what it was going to feel like to put my residual limb in a leg and walk. How was it going to work? You know, was I going to be able to wear pretty shoes and high heels and what were boys going to think? And what about short skirts and how about dancing? You know, my, my parents are going, what the, you know, who who's responsible for what happened to my daughter? But I had all, all my questions were more about my existence as a 21 year old woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very, I, I guess, you know, of course I was a bit, I was scared of the unknown, but I wanted to get moving. So I was also very determined and motivated. Learning to walk was a a challenge, but not you know, not, not as much as I guess what I would have thought it was. I mean, learning stairs, that was difficult. And it's, it's so hard because it was so long ago to look back, but um, I did for uh, I creating this new program called step up your safety. And it's a video video series. And my prosthetist and Moncton Kirsten actually went through the archives and found the video of me taking my first steps. And I had never seen it. Um, and it brings a tear to my eye because I can tell that I'm trying to be tough, but really I don't want to see the pipe on my leg. I want my pants down. I want to put the pant leg down, you know, and, and there's so much that, um, I can see in that video that contradicts how I remember it. I remember it being not so bad, you know, and I got right back on my feet, but I guess that's just the motivational speaker in me. I might've <laughs> written the story a little bit, but what was, um, what was the, what was the worst? I think it, it, the most difficult thing for me to deal with was the feeling of the leg on my body. 
And I just used to love at night taking it off and feeling like that feeling of like your pajamas and naked and not like you had a work boot on all the time, which is what that prosthetic felt like to me. So I really treasured those moments of, you know, waking up in the morning and then not having to put the leg on and, you know, dreaded having to all of a sudden put it all back on because back then there were different sockets and socks and bandages and your residual limb was changing all the time. And, you know, weather conditions, learning how to walk in snow, learning how to walk in ice, uphills, downhills, you know, there were just so many challenges. And I was, you know, at UNB. So yeah, Lots of uneven ground there. <laughs> we, we lived on a hill. So, yes, we, we all lived, lived on, on that. Hill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the, and the rehab process, I, I do recall being very frustrated going to um, uh, out to Grand Bay because they were asking me to put blocks back into the right space. And I, I just remember tossing them and saying, I didn't lose my arms. <laughs> Why are you wasting my time? You know, so I, yeah. I'm sharing that because. I think that it's, it's okay, you know, to be frustrated when you've lost something, it's okay to be frustrated when you're trying to learn something new, but, you know, eventually that present becomes the past. And as you move forward, it, you know, you remember that that happened, but it doesn't feel like you anymore because Mm -hmm. there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, you will adapt. And while I still sometimes, you know, I still love taking my leg off every night at the end of the day, you know, Um, but it, it certainly doesn't feel like a big work boot anymore. Welcome back. We're talking with safety educator and motivational speaker, Candace Carnahan, who shares her message globally with organizations she works with. Welcome back. We're talking with safety educator and motivational speaker, Candace Carnahan, who shares her message globally with the organizations that she works with. Let's hear her story about putting struggles into perspective and my favorite part of the interview when she talks about looking left when things are hard. You've been acknowledged on the national level and international level in the world of safety. You got into advocacy and Give folks a little bit of a background on what you do and where you go and who the people are you talk to with your work now. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, it started very simply in high schools and it was WHSCC back then, but now it's WorkSafe New Brunswick. And so the, while I was a, a, you know, a, a, a case file or a claim number on the, on the compensation side, getting my prosthetics. Um, I was also their spokesperson on the prevention side. So that's how I got into it. And they had asked if I would go speak to high school kids. And really back then, all I had was, I didn't have all the lessons from other people. I just had what happened to me that day. And really that, that was enough. Um, to kind of put the fear into kids to speak up and do the right thing. And, and you know, the three rights, rights, right to refuse work, um, right to ask questions, right to be involved. That's what we were talking about back then. But I'll tell you just a quick little story. You know, I think it was my it, it was either my first day or first week of, of doing presentations. And I went to a school where I would always start out and ask who knows somebody here who's been hurt at work. Typically, hands would go up. And I would say, leave your hand up if you want to share with me what happened. And it was typically my father did this. My uncle did that. My grandfather was a fisherman. This happened on the working in the woods. But at this one school, every kid put their hand up as as knowing someone who had been hurt at work. And when I asked them to leave their hand up, if they would share, they all put their hands down very quickly. 
And then the principal of the school actually came up to me, kind of pulled me aside. And what we found out or what I found out that I didn't know was that those kids all knew someone who had been actually killed at work. And it was their classmate. It was a, a kid that had been killed on, you know, working on the farm, as it unfortunately happens way too often still these days. And that was an aha moment for me because I thought, wait a minute. If I'm talking to a group of kids who haven't even graduated high school, graduated high school yet, and they all know somebody who was actually killed at work and it was their friend, like, boy, do we ever have a lot of work to do, you know? And so I spoke with schools for a while and I was then lucky enough to meet a gentleman called Paul Kells, um, whose son had been killed in a workplace incident. And Paul employed me as the spokesperson for Passport to Safety. So that's when I got involved with actually providing tools and education and trying to work on getting the um, workplace health and safety education into the curriculum in schools. Mm -hmm. um, then I, I, you know, ran the course with Passport to Safety and started my own company where I specifically started speaking across oil and gas industry, um, pulp and paper, manufacturing, a lot with mining. So I've, I've been, you know, worked all over I mean, every province and territory in the country, probably most states, a few countries in Europe, Ireland, Australia. Um, so it's been quite a ride. And it's now brought me to, um, you know, kind of the pandemic in a way I, I like to find the silver linings uh, gave me the time to develop Step Up Your Safety. So now I'm back to the, it's kind of come full circle um, again, because now I'm back to having a having an educational component that can be implemented in schools, in workplaces, in addition to a 60 minute, you know, motivational speech. One thing I want to leave our listeners with, uh, in particular, coming from you, I've known you for a long time and I've seen you do and accomplish amazing things. And I just really want to give a piece of advice to folks like you overcame a massive personal challenge and you turned it into something that has been extremely positive, not only for yourself, but for other people. What advice do you give people that are facing those adversities in their life that seem like it's, it's, they can't overcome it? What, what should, what should they hear? Well, I mean, in, in a nutshell, you can, you can. So I, I think that for me, a, a, a moment in time for me was when I was in Mexico and I had, I had worked my butt off to save money um, to go on this three month backpacking trip. And um, I had only been, you know, two years with a prosthetic. I carried a spare leg in my backpack. Um, I got a lot of strange looks for that. And um, I had gotten this brand new leg with silicone skin on it um, that I was going to wear. And I thought it looked so great. And I was in great shape. And I just put all this effort into going on this trip. And I was so proud of myself because I had started my speaking career and everyone said how, you know, positive I was and good for me and, you know, all of this kind of thing. And I, I, I got to Mexico and I couldn't walk and I didn't know why I didn't know if it was a sore. I didn't know if I was swollen. I, you know, and then anyway, to, to you know, to kind of cut it short, this went on for three, four days, you know, finally my boyfriend at the time who was with me, I just said, leave me alone for a day. I'm so frustrated, you know, and I actually think I might've thrown a limb at him, but thankfully he brought it back to me. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your legs of people. But I was just so frustrated because I had worked so hard to overcome and to, to move my life forward. And I felt like I was being stopped and, and that, you know, I, I, I was so upset. So on that particular day, I decided I would get the crutches that Baden had got for me, uh, my, my 
partner at the time at the first aid and go out to the cerveza cart that I had seen. Cause I had been cooped up. I'm not unable to wear my limb for four days in, in beautiful Mexico. So I crutched out. And when I looked to the left, um, I noticed that there was nobody there and it took a lot of work for me to get out there. It was a long crutch and it was hot and I, I lost it. I can't believe it. Oh my God. All I wanted was a cold beer, you know, and what kind of a vacation is this? And woe is me. And haven't I done enough already? And, you know, isn't the work I do, do how, why do I deserve this? Cause I had never, ever asked why me. Mm. I always thought, why anyone? Why does this kind of stuff have to happen to anyone? And I was as close as I had ever come at that point in time and ever did come in my entire life to saying, why me? And I turned around and I was getting ready to crutch back and oh, poor me with my brand new leg and my vacation for three months and this and that. And uh, well, it was backpacking, but yeah, vacation. And then I heard a clinkle and a clankle and I looked and there was a man and I couldn't see him because he was sitting on a Coca-Cola crate underneath the cerveza cart and he smiled at me and he had this beautiful smile even though he had no teeth and these sparkling eyes and he had no limbs no legs he had two arms but no legs and he drove a skateboard to work and and piled the the coke crates up and that's where he worked to raise money for his two children and his wife selling beers and that was a huge lesson to me in overcoming and understanding um, that no matter what it is ha- that's happening in your life, all you really have to do is be clear enough to open your eyes and look to the left and you will see someone who has a challenge that is even um, more of a struggle by times than yours. And I think that if we can look to the left and gain perspective from all of the different struggles that people face in this world, it puts our own struggle into perspective. It helps us find common ground. You know, I will say that I did go over. Um, I, I might've had more than one cerveza with this man and my Spanish <laughs> got really, really great as the afternoon went on. And he was, you know, sitting there admiring my fake leg and we were, you know, trying to communicate. And it wasn't about him being envious of what I had or me feeling sorry for him for what he had lost. It was just all about learning. And so I just think, you know, there are people out there um, each and every day uh, that can teach us lessons, but we have to get out of our own head um, and, and out of our own cycles in, in order to learn from them. And I guess in closing also, that's a message I actually share sometimes, a story I share sometimes with regard to safety, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're if you're walking to work, driving to work, doing a task and all you're thinking about is the fight you had with your spouse or the bad news you got from the doctor or some something that, you know, something a, a wrong charge on your credit card statement. It doesn't matter what you're focusing on, but if you're not focusing on the task at hand, you're increasing your chances of being injured because you're not seeing you know, you're not seeing the lessons, you're not seeing the hazards, you're not seeing the things that you need to look out for that might not be marked with caution tape and orange cones. That's right. We used to go on the rigs and in the mirror that always had a little sticker that said, you're looking at the person who's responsible for your safety this morning. I'm sure you've seen that before. Yes. But but for folks that might want to have you come in and chat with them, because I know you travel all over the country and come talk to some of their groups of people that may or may not be safety sensitive in nature. How do they get a hold of you? My website, CandiceCarnahan.com. And if you can't remember that, you can just go Candace one leg <laughs> and I will pop up. And um, yeah, I, I've actually, Mike, uh, as you know, when we've been 
chatting offline, uh, I've been doing, you know, a lot more work locally. And I'm really proud to say, you know, that I that I've got my program now that allows me the opportunity to get to know the clients and the companies that I'm working with and to actually customize a step up program that will best suit their needs and challenges and address the obstacles they're facing. So um, I'm hoping in the years to come to keep up doing the, the big, the big stage conferences. I'm off to Orlando in a few weeks and, and I, and I love that, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with organizations locally and getting to know them, their safety culture and their people and, and really doing some, some boots on the groundwork. So um, I think some organizations think that I only work with great, big, huge companies, but um, that's not true. So anyone can find me on my website and uh, reach me that way. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today and some great wisdom that a lot of us will be able to apply. I think this is a really helpful episode for people to understand that we face challenges. There's ways to overcome it, but there's also ways to prevent a lot of bad things from happening if we're careful. So thanks so much, Candice. That's right, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Thank you to my guests for sharing their stories. For anyone out there facing an injury, their themes of staying positive, surrounding yourself with the right support team, and celebrating small wins seem universal to recovery. Candace's message of safety and knowing the risks of activities and the difference between an incident and an accident should all make us think twice before taking risks because we can all get hurt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.